Hey, assalamu alaikum. How's it going? Ramadan Mubarak. Hope it's going well for you. This is episode two in the Insights series. If you recall, the Insights series is different from uh, the regular episodes where I share a, a story from my time being married. Uh, the Insights series is me sitting down with somebody who actually knows what he's talking about, and that's Ilyas Kamani, somebody with uh, many, many, many years of experience counselling Muslim couples. So last time out, in the first episode, we covered compatibility. This time he's sharing his hints and tips for a happy marriage, which I'm sure you'll agree is is going to be worth half an hour of your time. We've gone through the conventional stuff, such as where we get our ideas about what it means to be a husband and a wife. And uh, we go into a couple of other areas, such as uh, whether or not you really want to consider marrying a refugee and what he thinks about interracial marriage. Super, super, super interesting. As always, check it out. Part two, we're going to be talking about tips for a successful marriage. Okay. Where do you want to start? Well, look, one of the interesting things to, to, to determine whether you're going to have a successful marriage or not, all of us, to an extent, have already been socially programmed into what marriage is about and what the role of a husband or a wife is in marriage. In fact, the preparation for whether you... The preparation, the learning and the modelling of the behaviour of... Uh, what it means to be a husband and wife started when it starts in childhood from an individual mm. because essentially our first reference point that we model our behavior on is our own family that's it it's as simple as that so the first thing is if you want to determine whether a marriage is going to be successful or not to an extent look at the way that an individual grew up in their own family mm. now and this is this has an element of being predictive about it uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that someone will always have that behavior, but it's something that we need to be aware of. So whether it's a male or a female, okay, a man or a woman, look at what you grew up in, the environment you grew up in, and how it has influenced and how it has structured and constructed your approach to what the, the husband-wife role is. Mm. Now that might seem so obvious because family is more, family, by the way, is the most powerful socializing agent that affects us all our whole life. And our experience, the research says it quite simply now, very, very clearly. Zero to four is the time in our life where socially, emotionally, and cognitively, we develop more than the whole of the rest of our life put together. And from that zero to four, you are more or less absorbing learning from the whole of the environment around you. And some studies now are even saying by the time 9, 10, 11, you are already quite hardwired the core construct is already there. And then that is kind of, you could say, more kind of crystallized in puberty and then going into early adulthood. So this is just something to take into account. You it know, makes it sound like a lot of things are fixed. No, there is a nature and nurture argument is such that, you know, uh, that there is, it, it, it's a blank slate. The slate has then been written on. But the more self-aware we are, the more we're able to change the program. What is constructed can be deconstructed and reconstructed. So let me give you a simple example. 
if I grow up in a house as a man with a father, and the research is absolutely clear, who is violent, guess what? I learn violence as a response to behaviour. It's called learned behaviour. If I see that man being violent towards females for no other reason than food isn't prepared, and you're looking at this behaviour, you are mm. learning from a primary role model. You have that virus in you. That's it. It's fact. Unless something else has un un undone it. And then you will find that you, as you grow into puberty, that you start to show aggressive traits. Why? And one third of people, by the way, live in this household. That's the global statistic where there's domestic violence. So therefore, one third of children have been exposed to domestic violence, males and females. It has affected them. If you are self-aware, then you can actually try to break a cycle of behavior. If you grew up in a house where your mother is extremely materialistic, she judges success purely by material wealth, and she is a woman who pushes you to have high expectation and forcing you, judging you only by your exams, their, your wealth, the car you drive, and things like this. And you don't have any other reference point. This is your learned behavior. Guess what? I can predict what the primary social construct of that female is. Having mother as a primary role model like this, and she hasn't had any other counter. But she's not self-aware enough to actually, you know, uh, have something which challenges that particular behavior. For it's, we call, we call it, she, it's the behavior she's become socialized into, and it's become her normative behavior. It's the lens through which she views the world. Because she has a mother has told her that a man's role is to have a certain level of wealth, this and that. And, you know, she has is being programmed to a certain level of, uh, you know, kind of expectation. That's it. Fact. That's just the reality of it. If you grow up and you see a family where the kids are brought up very socially conscious to be activists, to have a strong sense of social justice, where you see in both parents that they're created a very egalitarian household, where the young people in the children in that environment have really good communication skills, they talk to one another. There's a predictive power, man. You have a ability mm. to predict what therefore comes out of this. So the preparation for marriage didn't start when two people started looking to get married. It starts in childhood. And it was constructed there and then. If your father's a womanizer, guess what? And you saw this behavior that he treated women as sexual objects. Unless you broke that cycle of behavior, that becomes a construct. Uh, if your mother is uh, domineering, bullying, and bullied other members in the family, guess what? You as a female, fortunately, sometimes, acquires that same behavior. So tech tips for successful marriage we're talking about here. And one of the things is that if you want to be have some element of predictive power is just look, observe at what their own family environment and interaction was. It's not a deal breaker, but what it does enable us to do is have an idea of what constructs them, what makes them who they are, and whether they are continuing with that reference point or they've broken that cycle of behavior, whether they're self-aware or they're delusional about it. Would you say it's, it's a given that if you marry somebody from a emotionally functional and enriching family, you are more likely to have a successful marriage. Yeah, I think so. If you're brought up in an environment where you are... So you should take into consideration the family as well as the individual. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a factor to take in on board. I'll give you another very simple example. If I have someone who has come 
as a refugee f- has has flee has, is fleeing a conflict zone where they experience PTSD. I'm looking at her as a refugee who's come here, but she's fit. I'm only looking at her as oh she's really attractive. I'll marry her, and you didn't take into account the fact that she might have PTSD. Well, guess what? When she is traumatized in the relationship as well because she hasn't been able to overcome some of the challenging issues. And these are cases that I work with. These are real cases. Not, uh, you know, I'm not saying every case is like this, but these are cases where I say, oh, she's just very good looking. You know, didn't take into the fact that she needs a man who is actually going to be able to provide the counseling and support and to help her overcome her PTSD, her post-traumatic stress disorder, not re-traumatize her. You know, these, these are just simple examples of actually background check or finding out the context of that individual's socialization, development of their normative values, who they are, what they're about, and, and, and then finding out, okay, does this fit with what I'm capable of doing? If you are going to marry someone who has experienced a significant trauma in their life, you know what, as a man, you or a woman, you need to have a heart like a mountain to be able to provide the compassion and the support that that individual needs. If you haven't got a heart like a mountain, don't do it. That's it. It's as simple as but, that. You know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance, right? Where, whereby, I mean, I, I've heard of guys stating altruistic reasons why they would want to marry somebody who is vulnerable. Like, so you've got somebody coming over from one of these conflict countries, um, and they'll marry them because they think, well, they've convinced themselves or they've told themselves that they're doing something which is good. And I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. You don't just marry someone because you feel sorry for them or it's a charity case. That is absolutely the wrong reason to marry someone. You marry someone because genuinely you connect with them, you have a compatibility with them, you can support them, you feel that, yes, you want to, uh, you know, that they're pleasing to you. Even the Prophet ﷺ, he said, marry for four reasons. It's very important that people go, marry for four reasons. You can marry just for beauty. Hmm. Because she's physically or he's physically appealing to you. And physical attraction is very important. And beauty is in the eye of a beholder. So it's whatever you your concept of good looking is. You know, people say, oh, I don't find her physically attractive. Or, uh, you know, she doesn't find him physically attractive. He has lots of other endearing qualities. But I don't find him physically attractive. He doesn't do it for me. And I'll say, well, sister, look, you know, that's fine. It's not shallow or superficial, by the way. But what you need to do is look, balance up the fact that these other wonderful qualities with the fact that physically he's not there for you. Balance it up and see where it goes. If, if you feel that you just can't do it, he's just too, uh, you know, he's not pleasing to your eye at all, then I would say yes, don't marry him. Vice versa for, for males and females as well. You know, there's nothing wrong, shallow or wrong with that because everyone has their own notion of what is beautiful and what is attractive to them. And there has to be some level of attractivity. Don't become totally superficial and shallow and just say, oh, she has to be size so-and-so or whatever, yeah? And, uh, you I know... Feel, I feel we're, we're branching a little bit back into the compatibility. Yes, we are going back. Right. So, 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 so the tips for the successful marriage. Let me just ask you some kind of quick yes or no kind of stuff. Okay. Um, somebody once said to me that cross-cultural marriages, majority of the time, they just, they just fail. Right. So is it important to marry somebody who is of a similar similar culture? Look, this is a big this is a podcast in itself, cross cultural. Yes or no. OK. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, OK. So no. I, so I'm, I'm not going it's, to it's too big a subject. We're going to we're going to cover that in a podcast. In itself, yeah. No, it's not. 
being a different culture and being a different race, being a different madhab, all of these things do not prevent you from having a successful marriage. Because if overall you could be different cultures, but you are people who recognize how to dovetail those two cultures, then you will work. I'll give you a classic example. Pakistani man marries an English woman. Two cultures who meet in the middle. If two people have the outlook that we will find uh, compatibility with each other and we're happy with the synergy we have, it works. If one person is usurping the culture of the other, is denying or undermining the cultural expression of another, it does not work. So for example, if, the, if she then has to become completely Pakistani and conform to that, and she doesn't want to, then it's, it's, in, it, 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 it's problematic. Two, two people from different cultures have to realize that they have different cultures. What brings them together is a value set, is the fact that they both have a similar outlook in life. And that was able to overcome the cultural difference. So therefore, you know, it will work. However, if what they have in terms of their own compatibility is not good enough to overcome the cultural difference, it will not work. So if she feels that I do not want to deny my English culture, which is especially where these elements are not incompatible with what Islam is, and then she feels that she's been forced to be made into a Pakistani, it isn't going to work. Hmm. Okay, fine. You, this, like yeah. I said, it's a separate, it's a separate yeah. podcast. So, okay, so, so my point, my points around tips for a successful okay, marriage, yeah, all based on the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, be agreeable. Be agreeable. What that means is this. Come to a win-win situation with each other. Don't just, in your decision-making, learn to find ways to agree with each other rather than disagree with each other. Yeah, but the man has the final say, right? Well, no, of course not. Because actually, if you look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi he would ask his wives, what is your opinion? And he would take their opinion on, on fundamental matters. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was always agreeable. He let things go. Two people should let it go. If you've got it sounds like you come across a lot of people who don't let things go. They don't let things go, man. They don't have a husn al-dhan, which is a good thought of each other. They absolutely... It's about control and power. Yeah, control, power, and they don't want to be seen as a lose-lose. So what, what, what the Islamic way is think win-win. That's the way we should always be thinking. That I want everyone to benefit, everyone to grow. I have an abundance mindset, and that's the way I want to do it. The Muslim mindset, I've got to say, is lose-lose. It's win-lose or lose-lose. Right. Okay, and that means that if I'm not going to get anything, you're not going to get anything. If I don't get my way, you're not going to get your way. No. Look, find someone who you can be agreeable with. It's a very thing. Two people who, in their decision-making, because and this is related to compatibility, okay, are able to come to agreement. So the male right. ego is a powerful thing. Mm, how, to re how to rein it in? Because Look, very simple. The Prophet wasallam, the best of men, okay, uh, wasallam, was agreeable. And he didn't just... And, and this means, obviously, in fundamental matters, he didn't just compromise, it's not about compromise here, okay? It's just that, you know what, you just are always going to have that generous nature where, you know, you will create an environment where people come to agreement rather than disagreement. So this is an important thing. Okay. Number two, be affectionate with one another. That sounds quite ob obvious, yeah? Affection here doesn't mean sex. <laughs> Affection means that the only time I, I call her, the only time I call her beautiful, sweet, is when it comes to the... Obviously, it's a form of foreplay, isn't it? Intimacy matters. Not even the Prophet said that sex should not be, uh, you know, we shouldn't have intimacy unless it's accompanied by beautiful words. So even that was an example. But, you know, I mean that day-to-day that -day loving, caring nature that two people have genuinely. 
of, of, of being affectionate to one another. I actually believe that you should be demonstrative of your affection. Okay, you know, don't just keep it in private doors and, you know, even in front of the children. I think peck on the cheek, absolutely fine. Calling her beautiful, calling her Habibi, I love you. you know, all that stuff happens when they're courting. As soon as they get married and all of it goes out the window, yeah? yeah. Be affectionate, you know, show the love for each other, hold each other's Kind hands, gestures. Hold each other's hand, you know, have pet names for each other. Have that little kind of, you know, that little wink in your eye, that twinkle in your eye, yeah? Uh, and you know every day try to show that affection for one another be um, an affection here also it means affection also here it means compassion have raham mercy two people compete in the selflessness for each other as well giving for each other okay affection number three i call it acceptance slightly different from agreeable but what i mean by here is this this put down culture that we have in our community of comparing people to others Okay, is is it, it decimates self-esteem in in a marriage? A successful marriage is two people bolstering each other's self-esteem, making each other feel good about each other. This goes back to Dale Carnegie's basic principles around what is a successful relationship: two people who pay attention to one another, make each other feel good about themselves, and make each other grow. An interesting thing he says, Dale Carnegie, is that one of the ways you show your acceptance of each other is he says it smile he says this particular smile that you have for your partner which is a unique smile where the eyes light up in the smile Aisha radiallahu anha she says that every time the Prophet would come into the home he would smile and in our religion smiling is sabaqa as well we'll smile at a married woman perhaps but our wife you know <laughs> this is not happening yeah so the acceptance part is this you know what you're never going to get perfect accept the person for who they are don't try to make them something that they are not capable of being. There is a level of, of margins of, 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 of change, yes. Okay, but wholeheartedly accept the essence of the other person. So to get involved in a relationship where you think, oh, uh, this person will change, that's not really no, 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 no. Look, look, change is important. We all, as human beings, change. And the other thing about a successful marriage I'm going to come on to is that always keep working at it. I'm going to talk about all these principles, okay, keep fine. working at it. They're all A's. Okay, you know, agreeable, affectionate, acceptance, and I'm going to come on to them. Keep on working on it. Absolutely. You know, what marriage, hard work, change, modify, modify, modify. But if this is just approach from the beginning, you say, oh, she's not there yet, but I'm going to change her to be. No, there's, there are elements of change, micro change, you know, five degrees of change. You know, 180 change, 180 degrees, absolutely no. no I mean, you, you hear this a lot sometimes, especially from, from, from women saying that. Uh, well, you know, I take my faith very seriously and I pray a lot and uh, he doesn't, but he's, he's, a, he's a nice guy. And he's going to change. And when, when we get married, then, you know, maybe he'll settle down and I think he will change. That, that's like quite a huge degree of change. Do you know what? And I'll tell that sister, he isn't going to change. Mm. Because remember what I said, you're dealing with your so primary socialization. This person is the product that they are for maybe 20 years of socialization before that. And suddenly you're going to change them. Come on, man. There is degrees of change. Starts with five degrees. But there isn't going to be a 180. Okay. Acceptance. Accept people for who they are. You know, don't try to... Yeah, we've done that one. Yeah. But the, the, the two toxic elements that undermine acceptance are comparing to others. Right. Yeah. That's really toxic. Why aren't you like so-and-so? Mm. Mother-in-law's do it. Oh, I remember a disgusting example. Sister made bread and butter pudding, Yeah. And she comes in really nice. Everyone loves it. Oh, it's lovely. 
so and so made it with brioche. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, but so and so made it with brioche. Anyway, kind of like, you know, don't compare to others. Right. You know, and don't have this put down culture of make this undermining people's self esteem. Smile. Have that special smile. Appreciation. It has to be in a relationship. You've got to appreciate each other. Mm. Okay. And appreciation here means not just saying thank you. An appreciation is having a deep appreciation for your partner. I'll give you a simple example uh, that, uh, you know, let's say it's a, a, a family dinner. Husband turns around to wife who's been slogging her guts out for God knows how long for this family dinner. Hmm. I know I'm giving these kind of examples, but you know, it's, it's uh, a lot of food based yeah, examples. Yeah, food based <laughs> examples, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, well, you know, uh, these, these are also principles in human relationships anyway. Uh, but so let's just give this example that yeah. you know, she slogged the guts out and she you know, put on yeah, a yeah. And, spread and and looks after the family and then he goes to a thank you. That's nice, isn't it? It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. But guess what? What? She ain't happy with that. <laughs> she slugged the guts out, man. <laughs> no, I'm not saying here it was a grand. Some don't even get a thank you. Well, yeah, some people. Oh, that what you're supposed to do that anyway. It's your role. It's your you know. It's what you're supposed to do. Hey, darling, you know what it is, is thank you so much for what you've done. I know you've been up all day since yesterday. I know you did all the extra shopping. I know that for my sister, you went and bought her favorite cupcakes. And then I know what you did with that brioche in the... Uh, Don't you think you're asking for a bit much here? No, 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 no. You know why? Because appreciation here is... No, I agree. Nuance. The person has really paid attention. Thank you is a dry thank you. It's almost like an insult. So it's more, you're more consideration. You know, the person's been looking, the person's been looking and he deeply appreciates the nuance of the other person mm. and what's hidden and what's unsaid. Do you understand? This is real connection between two people. Mm. Okay. And you know, when, when he says that to her, the action reaction of that, she'll say, oh, that's so nice that he's, you know what? He's really paid attention, taken a date, what they've got, paid an active interest in my life and supported that active interest in my life. You know, it's the same whether it's, you know, like I said, you're doing a job. The same whether you're organizing an event. The same whether you are, you know, helping someone in their daily life. Whatever. So appreciation. It just, just, uh, just uh, my, you know, my late father, Rahimullah, when, when he, uh, when my mother made, made him a meal um, and they weren't getting on. So this is kind of the opposite of the appreciation point. She would ask him. She would always ask him. So how's the food? Mm-hmm. And he'd be there, like, you know, obviously enjoying it, right? But he would respond with, well, and he'd say it in Urdu, you know, when you're hungry, you'll eat anything, won't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's the opposite of what we're talking about, isn't it? That's, that's <laughs> the opposite of what we're talking about, but it, it leads up to a good thing as well. Look, you know, uh, every time I have a meal cooked for me, yeah. I'm appreciative. And I don't just say yeah. thank you. I genuinely say, you know, I really appreciate the fact that someone has done that for me. Uh, and uh, but as a single guy, I'm the same now. Yeah, okay. Because I cook my own food, right? So I, whenever food is cooked for me, I'm like, whoa. You know, some people say, do you lie now? Do you embellish it? Do you just have to then tread on eggshells because you don't want to hurt someone's self-esteem? No, no, I don't think it is. I think just be genuine, be authentic as well. Yeah. Okay. But realize, use a bit of emotional intelligence yeah. here. You know that sometimes, you know, sometimes you haven't built up credit yet, which means that therefore you can't say stuff like that. So when she asks you, how do I look in this? 
Don't say it's a trick question. I always it say it is it, a trick question. It is a There's trick lots question. of trick questions. Okay, but if you have built up that kind of emotional intelligence and connection, you can say, look, you do look great in it, but you know what? I think that this suits you better, or this would look great. You know, so there are ways to 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 There's do. There's no right it. answer. Anyway, yeah, let's yeah. carry on. Okay, uh, appreciation. So appreciation means go and understand the nuance. Next is approval, which means give praise, say that you're proud, give shukr. Okay, slightly different from appreciation as well. The approval is that, you know, look, uh, again, this thing that, you know, there's a massive emotional deficit that takes place when people feel that the other person in their life doesn't really approve of what they're doing and doesn't yeah. really give the uh, admiration as well. You know, you know what? Husbands love it when their wives have that admiration for them, mm. you know, and that they uh, it increases their alphaness. Okay, if she's been admiring other people, and I said, don't bring another person into your marriage. Mm. If you admire someone else, keep it to yourself, yeah? Mm. Or, you know, especially if there's challenges, yeah? And this can affect, you know, relationship dynamics, yeah? But, uh, you know, be have this admiration for each other. And then this also comes back to it. You know, two people, when they choose each other, should choose each other based on the fact that they do admire the qualities they have that there are different qualities that will grow. And then the next one is what I call attention. Attention to detail, attention to each other is demonstrated by a very, very powerful thing called active listening or empathetic listening. I'm listening. Yeah. When we talk about communication, I always say communication is a real strong building block of a relationship. But people think that's talking. And that's it. And I ask you, what does communication mean to you? And so oh, we're talking to each other and no. Communication actually means listening. And it means listening to two things. Okay, listening to what's being said, what's not being said. Mm -hmm. Understanding the nuance, really deconstructing it. Also, listening to the non-verbal communication. Come on, you know, someone you can see they're upset, they're, someone you can see they're insecure, you can see, read that body language, read the behavior, read the non-verbal communication as well. Attention is so person, being an attentive person. We men generally get slated a lot for the fact that we don't listen and we don't hear what's going on. Remove the noise from the house, just have that time where you show attention to each other, listen to one another. Now, when you have these what are called two people who are agreeable, affectionate, accepting, appreciative, approving, admiring, and being attentive. They all begin with A. Yeah, yeah, they call them the that A's. I call them the A's. It's just an easy way for people to get it. Then you get a B. <laughs> you get a B out of this, man. Okay. The B is boomerang. 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 Is that like a rebounding? No, no, no. You throw, the boomerang is this. <laughs> what goes around comes around. You know, it comes back to you. Right. Action and reaction. Ah, okay. The action and reaction. So only put out there what you would want to come back to you? Yeah, yeah. So when you listen to someone else and you've taken the time out to listen to them, the boomerang effect of that is that people listen to you. You improve your communication and people realize that I have to listen to the other person as well. Actually, that's what happens. You create a very calm, you know, when two people are always working at being agreeable with one another, the boomerang effect is that they always think win-win. It always right. comes back. In fact, this is exactly like the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi that you know that companions are mirrors of one another. Yeah. Okay. That means that, and I'll, I'll finish with this point around successful marriages. The behavior you see in your partner is your behavior being reflected back at you. 
Okay. And let me tell you the way I prove it, because when I'm working in a relationship counseling situation, I ask people to make a list of, you could say, negative behaviors that they see in the other partner. And then I ask, so they'll make a list. The man will make a list of the woman, the woman will make a list of the man. And it's interesting that the man will then look at the list and say, okay, I get it. This is me. This is my negative behavior just being reflected back at me. Mm. Vice versa. You know what? Uh, anger breeds anger. Anger breeds humiliation. Belittling someone, believe, uh, belittling someone okay, begets shame. Honoring someone, making them feel good about them, creates a sense of fulfillment, elevation, growth. Compliment, Karam, generosity breeds generosity. Okay, uh, compassion leads to compassion. And if, 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 for example, let's say a person you genuinely say, I show compassion, love, mercy, all of these qualities, and I don't get them back, then that comes back onto the first thing we said. Well, you could, it's because you chose the wrong person from the right from the beginning. Mm. Mm. But in this context, the boomerang effect is exactly that. In a relationship, you have to recognize that all you see reflected back at you are your own negative qualities. Mm. So therefore, take personal responsibility and don't deflect from yourself. Okay, that was cool. It's always good to speak to Elias about these things. He knows more than I ever will. I'll be releasing the next episode shortly. I'm not doing anything particular for Ramadan or anything Ramadan themed. Life's just way too busy at the moment. I do have additional insights episodes recorded with Elias, which I'm going to release on a regular basis. So stay tuned. If you do want to support this podcast, you do not need to give any money. Thanks for the offers. Uh, all you need to do is share it. That's the only thing you need to do is share it with people that you think should hear it. And if you're wondering who that might be, well, think of somebody who is either looking to get married or somebody who is married. Yeah, that's right. Basically, it's applicable to anybody who's interested in relationships within the Muslim community. Just to go over this once for those who have not tuned in from day one, the reason I'm sharing such personal and intimate stories um, is not because I think the world needs more content. It's an attempt really to bring people together around a subject which isn't often spoken about and one which I think needs to be spoken about. And it is by doing that, the simple act of sharing those stories, I hope gives people um, hope in their own situations if they find themselves in difficulty, but also to know um, that there's a possibility of doing something about it. So yeah, never give up. There are always options. Enjoy Ramadan, get the most out of it, and I'll speak to you soon. Assalamu alaikum.